The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome back. And just as Sylvie pointed out, we're going to talk about sloth and torpor right after lunch. You know, it's part of uh, physiology, right, that we often feel a little bit drowsy after lunch. But sloth and torpor is a little bit different than just a physiological response. It's a little bit different than um, lack of sleep, for example. However, we can work with it the same way as sleepiness, and we may experience it the same way as sleepiness. One of the major differences is sloth and torpor. It's not that we don't have energy. It's that we don't have access to that energy. Unlike sleepiness, right, we just may be exhausted from not enough sleep or too much activity or whatever it is. Perhaps an example of this is that um, I remember on one uh, retreat I was sitting that um, after the end of the meditation, I was so tired. I was so tired. I honestly was having these thoughts. Can I just lie down right here on the floor, on the ground, and let everybody just walk past me because I don't have enough energy to make it back to my room? I just felt exhausted. And I was just like one foot, like just kind of making myself go. And I was just felt awful. I did eventually make it to my room. And then like, oh yeah, I should reorganize the socks here. And then I could put all my other clothes in a different way. So then it will be a little bit more easier to, it'll be more meditative if my space is more organized. And then before I knew it, here I was like organizing everything in my room and doing all these things. It was just that heaviness was based on something else other than lack of energy. Because as soon as my mind got in a different space, I had energy again. So that's kind of the difference between sleepiness or you know, physical fatigue and sloth and torpor. And so you can ask, well, how can we work with it? Well, I've discovered, and um, perhaps some of you have as well, that it can be actually quite fascinating to watch what the mind does like right before drifting off to sleep or right before slipping into some um, hypnagogic state or something. If we're a person that our thoughts are most often images, we may notice that the images start... I'm sorry, get the microphone here. We may notice that the images like start to like maybe wave a little bit. They're not as like kind of crisp and steady. If our um, thoughts tend to be more um, about sounds or voices that we hear, we may discover that they start to be kind of far away and not really present and crisp. So it can be really, actually, for me, I just was fascinated by um, watching this. So it's a trick a little bit, right? Because if you're watching slipping into drowsiness, that means you're drowsy, or sloth and torpor. And then often you kind of will slip into like maybe having a small little dream or something. Then you come back to and like, oh, that's right, I'm supposed to be meditating. Then you can watch yourself kind of uh, drift away again, as long as you can. And then often you fall asleep or something else happens, and then you can come back. And you can learn a lot by just being present and not making it a big problem. Like, this is what's happening right now. I can't keep my mind steady and clear and full of energy. 
but I'm going to be mindful as best I can. So it's, you know, it'll be a hit or a miss, but that's okay. I think it's important to um, maybe know our bodies and know what we've done in the past preceding hours or days to have a sense, is this sloth and torpor or is this exhaustion? What is the wisest thing to do? How can we take care of ourselves? Do we need to sleep? If so, then we should sleep perhaps more than meditate. But sloth and torpor has other forms, not just this kind of drowsiness. It can also be um, a type of like general laziness or procrastination or a um, avoidance. You know, the type of avoidance is like, oh, I'll get to it later. You know, that kind of a, a feeling as opposed to an active of turning away. I don't want to do it now. So as I said, it's often related to mental states. And so uh, what kind of mental states support a sloth and torpor? It may be that we have um, some of the stories that we're telling ourselves. These may be really uh, deep stories. They may not be obvious to us, but if we investigate, maybe we can see something like, I can't do it. This is hard. Or this is dangerous. If we have those kind of like whispers of an idea, they may manifest themselves in kind of losing all of our vitality, losing our enthusiasm, losing our stick to or our kind of desire or wish to really get something done if we have those beliefs underlying it. But also... Sloth and torpor or this kind of losing energy of the mind can arise is just as Andrea was saying earlier how um, sensual desire and ill will or like the caffeine that gives us a lot of energy, we're going to run towards things or run away other things. If we've been doing a lot of that, it's exhausting. It gets tiring physically and our mind often gets tired too. So sometimes there can be just a shutting down if we've been doing a lot of... uh, if we've been having a lot of greed or a lot of um, aversion and ill will. In the same way that if we find ourselves um, in a situation that isn't really supporting something that we want or isn't eliciting things that we don't want or isn't making us feel better about ourselves or isn't making us look good or doesn't really do anything for us, we may become bored. And kind of with boredom, then, where you kind of like disconnect from what's really happening. And then sloth and torpor can slip in. So often, if we um, aren't being, uh, if we're not engaging, then what is the opposite? Instead of, instead of just being present uh, for what's happening f- fully, kind of like a disengagement, which also happens with complacency. So just like maybe, you know, complacency is also, yeah, whatever. Just letting things go. If we, that, if we disengage in that way, also sloth and torpor can arise. In our meditation practice, sloth and torpor can arise if there's an imbalance between energy and effort and relaxation. Often many of us have come to meditation or use our meditation or sometimes at least as a way to relax, 
as a way to unwind. But meditation is more about uh, relaxing and unwinding. And if we are um, valuing the relaxation over everything else, we may just relax, 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 and then go in the way towards sleepiness, right? Which is what we do every night when we go to sleep. Whereas meditation is an opportunity to unwind, but still maintain some alertness. So meditation requires a balance between energy, effort, and relaxation. And when we're a little bit out of balance, we can fall, fall asleep. And this happens a lot, right? This isn't uncommon, especially um, when we're starting a meditation practice to uh, frequently get a little bit out of balance and just start relaxing and as soon as we close our eyes, right? Start um, falling asleep. And then lastly, something else that um, obviously affects a sloth and torpor is the amount of sleep we get, right? If you're not uh, well-rested, you're more apt to feel foggy. But also, if you're having too much sleep, that also kind of leads to some fogginess and some heaviness in the body and in the mind. So these are some of the things that we can um, pay attention to and look out for as uh, perhaps leading to sloth and torpor. And we can examine when we find our minds being this way, kind of feeling like we're having to trudge through mud or like this swampy feeling or, you know, being mired in jello or something like that. We can just say like, is it... Would it, does it make sense that I'm tired right now, that I'm sleep-deprived right now? Or could it be something else that's driving this, supporting this? So if once sloth and torpor has arisen, which it does sooner or later for all of us in some ways, maybe, you know, some uh, stronger, sometimes more stronger than other times, what can we do? Well, one is we can apply some antidotes, and that is do some things to um, increase the energy. Some obvious ones are posture is a great way to kind of work with energy. That if you find that you're uh, falling asleep or feeling really drowsy, is to put a little more energy into your posture, into sitting up straight. And whatever way that you can feel an energetic posture, rather than one that's... um, too relaxed or, you know, you know what I'm, when you lean back against the chair and are kind of slumping. We can open the eyes when we're meditating. That also kind of helps uh, bring some energy in. It doesn't, you don't have to be looking forward, uh, forward and um, looking around. You can just have a soft gaze and be looking at 45 degrees. We could, if possible, we can avoid being like too warm or in too, uh, too, too much simulating like we're in bed, right? So whatever uh, we can do to make it so that we're more like in a meditation posture. And then um, one other thing is with our mind, you can do a little bit of mental noting with energy. For example, it could be something like this. You can make a little note in your mind. I'm like, so in-breath, hands. This is something that I do. It's the words, I'm a little bit embarrassed to share these words, but I'll share them just because it, well, I will. Um, Sometimes I'm doing hands, but feet, in-breath. So I'm kind of like moving my, then let's see, so in, hands, but feet, out, Hands, butt, feet. So I'm moving my attention purposefully through my body. You, it's 
this takes some wisdom to do it so that you don't get all agitated and where are you, but it could be sometimes the breath when it's slow, it doesn't really hold our attention and it's easy to slip off. But if we have more things that we're trying to pay attention to, that requires a little bit more energy. And then sometimes, as I mentioned, that uh, what supports sloth and torpor is some of the beliefs that we may have that are underlying, um, that we may not be aware of on the surface. So if we find ourselves in a lot of sloth and torpor, we could ask ourselves, if I weren't feeling so sleepy or dull right now, what would I be experiencing? We can kind of use uh, sloth and torpor as it being a little strategy sometimes to not be with some difficulties. Maybe something that's arising in uh, meditation or maybe some other difficulties that we're having with our lives. And again, we can do that with some wisdom. Not that we're going to force ourselves to look at the most difficult parts of our experience. But we can just drop in. Is there something here that's asking to, for some attention that I'm using thought and torpor as a way to not pay attention to you. And then lastly, I'll say that we, if we feel like we have a chronic sloth and torpor, or kind of a, a feeling of, oh, why bother? Like all the time. There could be a number of um, things about that that support that or, or the fuel for that. But one could be maybe not ha- ha- not having a sense of a lack of meaning or lack of purpose in either what we're doing right then or in our lives in general. And so that may be worthwhile to do some reflection, maybe some journaling, maybe talking to somebody about what what is our kind of some meaning or purpose to our lives. There may be some depression too, right? That's common enough. So I just offer these as um, some antidotes kind of to raise energy as well as to use some wisdom to investigate what's underlying it, what's um, underneath the sloth and torpor. So let's get into small groups and we'll talk about this a little bit more and to kind of help keep the energy up too (laughs) right after lunch. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So let's have a group of a group of three, and a group of four. Yeah. So can we have you three, and then you four? Does that make sense, Maya? Over here. And then, as as a reminder, that this is a a little bit different than casual conversations that we may be having at uh, a coffee shop or something. That's, that we just like say one, one sentence maybe and then go around and then it'll come around to you again and then hopefully it'll come around to you again. So we don't have to tell the whole story. We don't have to give all the big picture. It's more just to share and to perhaps um, learn from others. That all of us have wisdom, but we don't need to tell the story so much. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, there is some papancha that happens, right? But the object here is more just to kind of share just a little tidbit that um, may be helpful or maybe it's what you just discovered at that moment too. So let's start with this question. 
recognizing that sloth and torpor is often just um, losing our access to our vitality or our energy. So what kinds of beliefs, thoughts, or judgments drain you of vitality? So just in general, what kind of types of thoughts that you have or certain beliefs that you have or judgments about yourself or about others or about other things, what types of things drain you of vitality? Then we can go around in a circle and then I'll ring the bell. Thank you. you. Keep on going where you were. Start to work, you know, around this circle. So what is your most common attitude towards making effort? Do you feel like, oh, great. Okay, this is what I need to do. I'm going to roll up my sleeves. Or you're like, oh, my gosh, I have to do this. So those are just two examples. But what is your most common attitude towards making effort? Thank you, Silly, for kind of closing the circle. That's nice. So what was that like? Did you learn something new? Did you discover something? And About beliefs, thoughts, and judgments that drain you of vitality? Maybe we'll start there. Thinking I need to get everything done perfectly and the universe won't run without me. Yeah. It's completely exhausting and uh, it's overwhelming, so I tend to escape from it. And actually, self induced torpor, but I'm getting better at it, but watching TV that's not worth watching. Yeah. Just watching, te- just watching something, uh, which, which is a really good way of inducing torpor. It actually induces a trance state. And, um, so I'm becoming more aware of that. Uh, and uh, anyway, great, thank you. Yeah, this idea that things have to be perfect, or that we have to do things perfectly, and that we have a central role and everything, can be exhausting. Yes, and thank you for mentioning TV. That kind of does. I don't know what it does, but I've noticed it when I, if I find myself watching TV afterwards, I feel, I don't know, I don't feel alert. I don't know what I feel exactly, but... Yeah, I convinced my husband to get rid of the couch, so if we want to watch TV, we have to be on a meditation bench or Zappos or something. <laughs> <laughs> Works pretty well. It's, it's hard to get past more than an hour and a half. So. <laughs> I think Sylvia had something here. Thank you for sharing that, Maya. It's a nice strategy. So um, I've been dealing a lot with that state uh, in the past several weeks. Um, and um, at the core, it's really being overwhelmed, um, thinking I need to make a big change and I don't know where to start. Mm. And, um, you know, this has happened in the past. Like, I know, like, this kind of, like, transition, being overwhelmed by changing things that, that leaves me in sloth and torpor for a while until I kind of get myself out. But this is a hard one. It's not one that any of the strategies that we discussed 
afterwards works for like it's just too big so i wonder um if there's something underneath that's asking to be looked at and that's kind of what uh, needs to happen for the sloth and torpor to shift hmm. thank you sylvie something just kind of popped about sloth and torpor uh, one of the things is like the 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 thought that I'm actually wasting my time actually feeds it. So if I waste my time a couple hours, then it's very difficult because it, it feeds it even further. So the kind of guilt, yeah, guilt reinforces it. Oh, and kind of this idea of like throwing in the towel, like, oh, I already wasted these hours. I may as well waste, waste more hours or uh, I'm not no, sure I follow. It's more like a... Kind of, it's, it's a it's a heaviness of guilt oh, that kind of doesn't let me even get away from oh. it. So it's it's kind of a different emotion that kind of pulls me in. Yeah, mm. it's kind of feeling bad about it. What yeah. uh, done? Yes, that's exhausting, right? Kind of the self recrimination. Yeah. What about the question, your most common attitude towards making effort when you feel like you need to somehow bring up that energy? (laughs) You want me to share it with the group? (laughs) My number one strategy is to vacuum the house. And it actually gives me energy. I've been doing this my whole life since I was a child. Nice. Do you have any idea of like, oh, how that gives you energy? Um, so then after that, I realized that it was actually the movement. Um, the movement, but also there is something about vacuuming that kind of puts you in control. Like you're in, <laughs> you're in control of that tool. Um, and somehow I regain, you know. Yeah. I don't know. There's something magical. Like maybe one day I should like write this little pamphlet about. <laughs> and not, not only maybe do you feel control, but you are doing a chore, quote unquote, right? You are kind of like accomplishing something. Yeah, I think that must be this because then I see like the, the flow sparkles. Yeah. Like if you feel good, then yeah, the cleanliness. Accomplishment. Yeah, accomplishment, it's a sense of. Great. Thank you. Yeah, for me, making an effort can be counterproductive. Because I, try, I, I, I try so hard that I lock up. It's actually, uh, I get overwhelmed. And what's worked for me is, uh, Gil has talked about uh, doing one thing at a time. And, I've, I've, and I usually, have, I've had this whole, this whole galaxy of things that need to be done. I mean, it's, my mind is, just has this whole spectrum of things. Uh, and if I just narrow it down to one thing and let everything else go, all of a sudden I have energy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like doing it because mm-hmm. I picked it because it's, I don't know. And so in a way, if I do that, I really don't have to make what I think of as an effort. There's sort of a spontaneity to it because, uh, anyway. That's it. Great. Thank you. Kind of simplifying. I um, tend to get overwhelmed so that I can't do anything. Um, 
And when that happens, I lay on the couch, and the cat usually comes. I might lay there all day, basically, if I, you know, if I can't do anything, or and it might have like a physical component of being exposed to an allergen or something like that. But quite often, it's a um, a situation that I can't control. I would like to control, but I'm unable to control. And so then I'm I'm learning to detach from it. You know, um, and to if it's something that I'm not going to have any effect on anyway, I'm trying to detach and not give it any effort. And so my strategy is to pick something that I can do that I can have effect over, like like cleaning or planting. I love to garden. Or um, if it's a real complicated thing that I want to do, I'll break it down into steps. Well, can I do the first thing toward that? And um, sometimes... If I just can't move and it's it's not safe, I'm in such a state that I can't drive or anything, I will go outside and just in my area and walk or sit in the sun yeah. or just go look at something, just anything to um, to get away from the wheel of, I can't do anything about this, but I want to, and and if it's sticking up for myself, which I tend, I tend to turn all of this angst in on myself, I will plan strategies um, and write them out and just do it step by step. Yeah, so you pointed to a number of things there that I think that are helpful teasing things apart to make them more simpler as well as reckon doing some things where we feel like we do have some agency where we can um, uh, have an effect that then can encourage us and brings a little more energy thank you yes hi um we're on attitudes right yeah or- we were on attitudes towards making effort which kind of also ended up including what do you do when you find that you can't make effort? Yeah, I don't. Sorry, I don't have much to add to that. But I've been doing meditation for like seven years, and the first three years was pretty easy sailing, and then the next four years was um, a continual onslaught of sloth and torpor. Where last couple, you know, and then last couple of years I've been kind of almost avoiding because I kind of almost like oh I know what's going to happen I'm going to have to be you know I'm interested you mentioned these hypnagogic sleep states and I would almost never drop my head but I'd just go into these things and then notice I was there and pull back out and you know I'm like eight day retreat almost you know eight hours a day of that for eight days in a row and there's a lot of mindfulness because you got to pull out of it every you know at least you got to notice you're there and then pull back out and two minutes later doing it again and um 
the the last retreat on like the sixth day I had some sort of insight or something not so much into that because I'm still pretty much confused about what's really going on I know there's you know like this this root kalesa of ignorance so I'm probably pretty good at that um ignorance that is um uh, but but anyway yeah so I had so this 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 insight came through, and I'm not sure what it was about, suffering, mostly dukkha. Um, and then I just had this burst of energy for the last day and a half, which would have been nice to have it on, like, the second or third day, but um, it was very strange. So it was obviously, you know, I'd gotten over any, because I know I'm probably sleep-deprived, too, so it's a little bit mixed up there. Um, but I know it wasn't just that. It was like one was feeding into the next, and... Yeah. I'm almost begging for a diagnosis, but I, I know you're not going to know enough about me to be able to say anything or I'm done. Maybe I'll say this, that it's not uncommon that as we uh, our meditation practice uh, progresses, that some of these hindrances show up even a little bit stronger. Because maybe as we're starting to understand ourselves better, we're starting to tap touch into deeper things, things that are more difficult, maybe things that we're not so familiar with. And so it's not unusual for them to um, kind of show up and I um, have a bow for your persistence. It's not easy to stay with them. So thank you. And thank you for sharing that. So shall we shift gears a little bit and talk about the opposite of sloth and torpor?